0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, maybe even the evening. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vesperis. The week has begun, Monday edition. In our continuing saga of fantasy school, I'm going to do that for one more week this week. Hope everybody's doing great. Hope uh, all of you had a lovely weekend. I had an exhausting weekend myself, as per usual. You probably saw my Twitter timeline. I got sunshine this weekend, which most people will be like, I feel great. Uh, that's not my cup of tea, man. Sunshine just makes me tired and warm. I don't like either of those things. I'd rather be wide awake and cold. That's my jam, man. Wide awake and cold. Not tired and warm. Uh, well, I look a little bit less like a vampire, so I guess that's a very slight positive. It's all it's all family stuff. Although I did, uh, I, I went to a driving range for the first time in God knows how long, and there is some measure of golf ability still uh, hidden inside my veins. Um, not sure if anybody got to listen to my appearance on VEASAN from earlier this morning here. We're talking to my buddy Gil Alexander on uh, VEASAN, the Sirius XM channel 204. I'll be doing that during the NBA season once a week. We talk sports betting on that po- uh, not a podcast. That's an actual satellite radio show uh, going over season win totals. We will, of course, continue our exploration of season win totals here on Fantasy NBA Day tomorrow with the great Neil Rochelani who has some other projects in the books that we can't profile just yet. Uh, The brand new Clippers podcast debuts today. Should be later today. I don't know exactly what time the episode is dropping uh, because it will be coming to my inbox for me to slice up and post here uh, in the next little bit. But if I had to guess, I would say late morning Pacific time, so early afternoon on the East Coast. The first episode of the LA Clippers podcast, our great, uh, our wonderful Brandon Marcus here uh, is the uh solo host of that show. He's got an awesome guest for debut episode, and then he's going straight on vacation. Because that's the way it should be. One big one, and then off you go. <laughs> Brandon, we love you, man. That's gonna be a great podcast. It's gonna be called. Simply the Hoop Ball, Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Very easy to find because we're going exclusively buzz names, team names, name of our website, etc. Nothing fancy there. You don't have to try to find it with some weirdo name. It will be appearing on all podcast channels by later today, I would hope, uh, with the exception probably of iHeartMedia since they take about two weeks to upload stuff. So that should be available later today. Easiest place to listen to it. At least while we're waiting for the show to populate all the traditional podcast channels, is at hoopball. We'll be posting a link from the Twitter feed at hoopball clips, and then likely retweeting that. I'll try to retweet it from at Dan Bespris. We'll retweet it from hoopball tweets. Uh, Brandon will probably retweet it. He's at BD Marcus, and uh, you guys can get a, a, a taste of Twitterdom. We are. I'm just so excited about how much stuff we've got going on. The Lakers. Hoopball Lakers podcast had an episode drop yesterday on Sunday. Hoopball Kings will make its triumphant return in two weeks. I'll give you more information on that as we get closer. Hoopball Nets had an episode drop over the weekend. Hoopball Clips, as we just mentioned. We got four team-specific podcasts with another one secretly on the way. We got team coverages. The Pels rocking along. Our buddy Mike Pellaschey. It's been a busy damn off-season here at Hoop Ball. This is not everybody's like, oh, you can take it easy a little bit. Basketball offseason. Nah. Yes, there's not the same grind of the actual NBA season where you're digging into fantasy stuff every single day. Uh that's a that's a very different kind of project. You settle into a bit of a rhythm. Off-season projects, my brain is all over the place. But anyway, fantasy school continues. Fantasy 101 is the this is week number two, so I guess it's fantasy two oh one. We'll have the next three days profiling different broad-stroke fantasy topics. It's not necessarily strategies, although I do have some of that mixed in. If you listened last week, you got three lessons, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, mock Draft Strategies was Monday of last week, so if you want to go back, you can listen to that. It's exactly one week ago, uh, that episode. That episode. Talking to Neil Rochelani, last Tuesday we talked about early draft strategies, basically how to use your picks in the first few rounds of mock draft, and on Wednesday of last week we talked average draft position, ADPs, and how to use that tool, and ADP tracking, when you jam it all together with some pretty intense mathematics, to basically know where everybody's going when you have your fantasy draft. This week is going to be a little bit different. Last week was almost all about draft stuff. You heard that word three times. Mock draft, early draft, average draft. This week we're going to get into some slightly different topics. Today we're going league settings, which I know is kind of like a a clunker of a topic. It doesn't move the needle. It doesn't uh, give you a tingle the way that maybe some of these other strategic discussions do. But I do think it's worth discussing. And to me, there are a lot of league settings... That have been either points of contention or questions that I've been asked on Twitter when people are trying to create or change their league or trying to get their commissioner to do things. So we've got a lot of things on the docket today that have to do with individual differences in how you run your league, how I believe it should be done. And I'd love to continue the discussion in Twitter after the show again at Dan Bespris. This is a hoop ball presentation, also brought to you in part by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Hawaiianisles.com. Hawaiian, H A W A I I A N I S L E S.com. Hawaiianisles.com. You can head to the website. You can see a beautiful picture of a coffee cup with some flowers right there on the homepage. And there's a left nav bar little 3 button thing, little 3 dashed lines, you click on you can pull up their whole thing. You can learn about the coffees, you can view all their flavors. They got single bags, they've got K-cups, they've got Kona coffee bundles, they got best sellers, they got non-Kona roasts, they got by size, by grind, private reserve, decaf, coffee roasters, and a blog. I have to admit, I haven't clicked on that link before. But I'm going to click on the view all flavors link. Ooh, look at that lovely yellow bag. Ooh, golden bag. That's the Kona Dark French Roast. Bags are generally around eight bucks for the uh, the ten ouncers It's a great product. It's a fantastic product. You gotta go check it out. Again, HawaiianIsles.com at HI Kona Coffee on Twitter. If you have any questions, you want to hit them up on social media. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon. Amazon.com. You just search for Hawaiian Isles. It'll come up. You don't even need the full name. The full name of the company is Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Made in Hawaii. This is not a fake Hawaiian thing. This is from the Hawaiian Isles and then sent here stateside. And you can sip it and go straight to your dome. Thank you, Hawaiian Isles. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks to the H.I. Uh, Kona Coffee staff for keeping us all caffeinated at hoop-ball.com. Okay, so digging into league settings a little bit, which I know is is... Even as I say it out loud, it's like I'm probably going to lose some people on this one. But let me just throw a few things out there. And if any of this stuff is stuff that you've been thinking on, then maybe I get you to, to stick with us here for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, games caps, waiver periods, transaction days in head-to-head and in roto, moves limits, positional eligibility, bench slots, IL slots, playoff format. Maybe I should have started with that one. Playoff format, I say again. Trade deadlines, vetoes monetary breakdowns, maybe. I haven't decided if we're going over that one because I don't know that there's a, a right answer to some of this stuff. In no particular order, just all things that go into the creation of a league. And so for those of us, some of us have been in leagues for a very long time, and we've just sort of become, we've just sort of accepted certain issues that our league has. And I would suggest we get rid of them. Because I've been a commissioner... I've And I've somehow just ended up as commissioner in almost every single league that I'm in. I, people know that I'm working on fantasy NBA. So they're like, oh, he's looking at this all the time. Why doesn't he do the work? And that's fine, because now I can make these subtle adjustments. But I would suggest that if you're not the commissioner of your league, you ask them to do the same. And so we're going to go through this stuff in no particular order. But I'm going to start basically right after the draft is done. We talked draft last week and how to prepare for it, how to get yourself situated. This is all stuff you should actually have your league look into prior to the draft. But just from a chronological standpoint, this is when you'd run into some of this stuff. And the first note is waiver period, which I feel like people, a lot of commissioners, just don't even go to that button, but should. And in in a first-come, first-serve, or auction style... Fab budget leagues. Either way, guys generally go through a waiting period after their draft. I don't see the downside to shortening the crap out of the waiver period. Provided you have other fail-safes to keep people from streaming too hard. I like a one-day waiver period. Guy gets dropped. That day doesn't count. The next day is the waiver day. And then the following, that dude can get picked back up again. Especially if you're in a league... Where, and we'll get into this in a moment, your transactions impact your league the following day. That creates an additional day, effectively, on the waiting period. On those leagues, you could almost get rid of the waiver altogether. Because you're already waiting a day just to get a guy into your league. So this is a quick one in terms of the discussions that we're going to have today. I believe a one-day waiver period is more than enough. Because it doesn't count the day the guy was dropped. Somebody's dropped on a Monday. You're dealing with him on Wednesday. That's already a long time to wait. For me, at least. I'm staring at this stuff all day. I'm, I got my itchy trigger finger. I want to see this guy get back onto a team if anybody wants him. I see no reason that somebody dropped on a Monday shouldn't be on another team until Thursday or Friday. That's so long. Likewise with Trades. If you have an active commissioner, you can just turn off the trade waiting period. What's the point? What's the point of a trade waiting period? Who cares? Somebody wanted to make a move. Another guy wanted to make a move. They agreed on it. Switch them. As a commissioner, I often push trades through the second I see them. Somebody got annoyed with me last year in one of my leagues, that I pushed a trade through, and I was like, look at every other trade that's ever happened. I think maybe because I was involved in it. Of course, Commissioner, he did it for himself. No, come on. Every trade, as it turns out, I'm involved in like 70% of the trades in these leagues because everybody else is just sitting around with their thumb up their butt. But I'm pushing them all through immediately. There's no reason to wait after a trade is... Unless there's fear of collusion. And so now we'll segue from waiting periods into trade stuff. Number one, the trade deadline, you could basically make that like the last week of the regular season in a head-to-head league, and very late in Roto as well. Provided you trust the people in your league, or at least trust the commissioner, who cares when teams are trading guys? It doesn't need to coincide with the real-life trade deadline. This is fantasy. It doesn't need to be the same as in reality. If you have a late-season flip you want to make, oh, geez, I really want to shore up in head-to-head. I think this is even more relevant. As you get towards the playoffs in head-to-head, it's really cool to specialize, and if you want to do that, trading late in the year is a really good way to do so. That's an excellent means by which to take your team that's pretty good in 7 out of 9 categories and turn them into awesome in 5 or 6 out of 9. Just dump those extra rebounds you got, pour them into assists and steals or whatever, and suddenly you got your you got your five lockdown categories every week. Doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just making up categories on the fly here. So make the trade deadline late, commissioners. It's more fun. It's just one more thing that the people in your league can do. These should be fun. Trades should happen. Trades should happen. I got a question on Twitter last week that I think the initial uh, indication in the tweet was to go over it on a podcast. And I thought, I can knock this thing out on Twitter. It was basically, what are your feelings, Dan, on league vetoes? I hate them. I think they're awful. I think they're foolish. Because it is human nature. as a competitive spirit in a fantasy league to hate anything that doesn't benefit your own team. We all agree that no trade in the history of trades has ever been perfectly fair. That's not what a trade means. This is a conversation that I've had with Seth Klein on this show uh, a few times because he's such a wheeling madman. Nobody makes more trades than Seth. I was in a league with him for 1 year and there were like 20 trades in the league that year and I think he was involved in like 13 of them. Uh and and he put it he put it wisely. He was like, "Look, if both sides like the trade, it's a fair trade." Now, that's not entirely true. I will nitpick with the the general premise there because in almost every trade, one side empirically is getting better value. But that doesn't necessarily mean that both teams don't feel like they're winning out. In fact, I have on this show multiple times been a proponent of making a trade where you are purposely losing the trade because it helps you in an ROI sense. Okay, If you're not in a deep league with mega ringers... You can get away with trading away more than you get back, provided what you get back helps your team more than, you know, what you're losing hurts it. I'll give an example of this. And I talk about it frequently. What if, and it's not even hypothetically, because this happens to me regularly, thanks to my hatred of the points category. What if, in January... You're looking at your fantasy basketball team and you're just not that good in one category. You're third from the bottom or second from the bottom. Something clunky like that. Head-to-head or Roto, I don't care. You're just not good in one category. Head-to-head, you won it one time out of eight weeks or two times out of 10 weeks or something like that. Roto, there's 12 teams in your league. You're 10th or 11th. So you're getting two or three points in that Roto category. But you do have a player on your team who's actually very good in that particular category. And I'll use an example for me from last year. I had TJ Warren on my team. Now, obviously, we didn't know he was going to get hurt and miss two and a half months. As he was trucking along, it was a good percentages scorer. He wasn't really doing anything else. He was able to float himself with those really the basically three strong categories by all for you know for all intents and purposes. And he was okay. You know, he grabbed a few rebounds here and there, he grabbed a steal here and there. But for the most part, it was points. It was like twenty points a game or more at times. Field goal percent near fifty, free throw percent near ninety. Number one, I didn't think the free throw percent was gonna hold, so wipe that off the 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 board. He's never been that good. But field goal percent and points. And so I was looking at my team And I was, I believe at that point, second from the bottom in points scored. And almost no one else on my team was averaging more than about 15 or 16 points a game. So I knew that if TJ Warren was sent away from my ball club, I was going to move into dead last. But guess what? Dead last was only one point down. And I asked for something back. That wasn't ranked as high. Now let's forget for a minute how the rest of the season went because as I mentioned a moment ago, Warren didn't end up playing for I think he played like another three or four weeks after I traded him and then he was just done. Let's forget that for a moment. Let's turn it back into a hypothetical scenario where he actually played the rest of the year at that same clip. He was at that point a top 40 fantasy asset and I got back a top 60, top 70 guy but one that was good at rebounding, good at assists, good at steals, good at blocks, that type of stuff, Or I just took all these other categories where I was either mid-pack or slightly above mid-pack and made them better. And so, yes, I took back a worse player in that trade. It wasn't a fair trade. I lost it on paper. It worked out, again, because the guy I traded away ended up hurt the entire season. But you have to forget that for a moment. There was no way I could have known that was going to happen. That wasn't part of the trade. As the trade occurred, I gave away more than I got back. And I would suggest that you guys look into the same thing. The ROI on that was positive. The guy coming back could get me two, three, four points of Roto. The guy I sent away could cost me one or two. But that's a long digression from the main point, which is don't do league vote. Because if a league was voting on that trade, I guarantee you half the people would think I won, half the people would think I lost, and all of them would be irritated that the trade was happening. All of them. It's human nature. Everyone has an opinion. What are the odds that... All the other teams, the 10 teams in your league not involved in your trade, are going to agree that it was a fair trade. They're not going to get together with one another and decide whether or not they think it was a fair trade. Each one of them is going to look at it and say, mm, Team A won, I don't like it, reject. And the next one's going to say, mm, I don't like it. Team B won, reject. It's impossible. Because it doesn't matter. They don't even have to agree. These 10 other teams don't even have to agree on who won the trade to veto it. Sure, there might be a trade where all 10 teams are like, yeah, team A won, veto. Fine. That's not usually the case. Most trades are actually somewhat balanced, and people are going to look at it. I mean, you put these things, people do Twitter polls during the season all the time. Who won this trade? Team A, Team B? They're never 100%. 80-20 is probably the biggest I've ever seen. Most of them are like 60-40, 55-45 40, kind of breakdowns. And that is the issue so clearly illuminated. The teams vetoing, the teams voting on a trade don't even have to agree with one another to veto the trade. That's why league vote doesn't make any sense provided you trust your commissioner. If you don't trust your commissioner, you should probably not be in the league. Find a new one. Listen, I, I put out one tweet and got an entire new league started. If you need a new league, just let us know at Hoopball. Post in the forums, tweet at me, whatever. There's a thousand leagues out there just at the snap of a finger. hundred times that many if you don't. if you can wait longer than a snap of a finger. If you're in a league you don't like, just change it. Go to another league. They're out there. $25, 50 $100, $200 leagues, free leagues, whatever. They're all out there. It's available. So don't tell me you're stuck. No one's stuck. We have great leagues that we run at Hoopball that will open up in the next couple of weeks. Neil Rochelani will be running our listener leagues. There's plenty of leagues out there you could join. So don't tell me you're stuck. Find a league where you trust the commissioner and get rid of league votes on trades. It's madness. If you had a trade, you know what you should have to do? And it's way too much work. I'm sure the coding people at all the fantasy websites are going to be like, Dan, shut the hell up. The only way a league vote should be allowed to pass is not only do the teams have to vote yes or no on a trade. Let's not make it so binary. Let's make the no side... If you're voting to reject a trade as a fellow team owner or manager in a league, you have to say why. You have to pick which team won by too much. There you go. This is like you know when Congress forces other members of Congress to take a vote on a controversial bill. It's the same kind of thing. We're going to get that vote down on paper so the constituents can see. A trade is executed. Team A, Team B. The other 10 teams in the league get a notification that a trade was executed. Not only do they have to decide if they want to veto it, they have to say why. You think all 10 teams are going to say, because Team A won? Nope. And that is why it's nuts. Because they don't even have to agree the way it's set up right now. If they think either team won the trade, they can veto it. nuts if there's collusion a trade should be nullified and this does happen we had it in in one of our leagues and we rooted it out thanks to the detective work of some of the other teams in the league some teams were working together in different leagues to try to make sure that they could kind of help each other that's collusion those trades should be stopped those managers should be punted summarily executed and the money that they surrendered at the beginning of the year should be Gone. They don't get it back if you cheat. If you cheat, your money's gone. Simple enough. Trust your commissioner. Let him handle these things. Most trades should be pushed through. 99% of trades should be pushed through without a second thought. If something looks particularly weird, it probably still should be pushed through. But if it happens multiple times, and it's weird and it's always favoring the same team then obviously you take a look at it maybe this has happened to you guys as well and 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 then i'd like to move on from this trade stuff cuz we're i i know this is sort of like the big topic of league settings for today i was in a league where and and it keepery dynasty sort of league i'm not in a traditional dynasty league but this is a keeper with multiple years penalties all that kind of stuff there's no extra draft though so it's it's more keeper and the long discussion and a good one was had over whether or not teams could execute two-part trades a trade that happened early and a trade that happened late the team the teams agreed that it would be collusive to allow a team to send good players one way early and a return haul later. And I actually agree with that sentiment. I mean, I'm the commissioner of this league, so I have to stay quiet during all of it, but I agree with that sentiment. Leagues happen, or trades happen, in a moment. Because the other way was, you really stock up on a team on a promise that something's going to happen down the line. Anyway, get with your teams, discuss, switch it to commission or vote. Simple enough. Next thing on the list. Games caps. We're going to go back to some easier stuff. I think you should have them in a roto league. Easy enough, right? But I like 85 or 90 as opposed to 82. Let's see, we're, we're going back to the, the deep breath stuff after that deep dive on, on trade deadline things. Uh, I'd like 85 or 90 because to me it brings the bench into effect. 82 games, you only have to use one guy off your bench to fill in all that stuff. Next thing on the list. Yeah, see, we're moving through this stuff now. Bench slots versus IL slots. I've tied it all together. It's almost like Dan planned ahead a little bit. Tie it all together. I prefer bench slots over IL slots because with injured guys, number one, you're at the whim of when ESPN, Yahoo, Fantrax, whatever actually gives a guy an injured tag. And then you have to take them out of the IL when they're healthy to make any other moves. It's all nuts. Just add an extra bench slot to your league so everybody can have one more dude floating around. It's much more freeing. It's so freeing. And that takes us to positional eligibility because with games caps, you're going to be able to, you need to fill up all of these games played. I think one way that you can kind of work around the positional eligibility issues in fantasy is to change the way that you start your guys. You can just make it guard slots instead of point guard, shooting guard, small forward, forward, whatever. Just make it guard, forward, center, utility. And that way you're not that worried about what weird position guys get assigned nowadays. There's so much floating positional eligibility in the NBA. Guys play four different positions these days. Sometimes they don't get credit for all of them. So you can just remove that issue from your league by making the slots easier to do. These are just little things that I think your commissioner could look into. I don't know that you have to, but I do think it makes it more fun to have a deeper bench, a higher games cap, and basically being forced to choose which of your scrubs to use. you got to be quicker on the draw. you got to have 14 good players on your team. Then you don't need to find a 14-team league either, which is kind of nice. If you like your 12, you can just make it a little bit harder. Upgrade the difficulty a tiny bit by raising the games cap you got to use those bench guys. You can't hold on to injured dudes as long. You got to make sure you don't fall too far behind in games played. And then of course you got to throw in some move limits as well. Although, you know, in a roto league as long as you got a waiver priority, I don't think you need to turn those on. Uh head to head, let's let's flip over to head to head for a little bit here and talk about moves limits, transaction days and playoff format and that'll get us to the end of the program today. Uh, Number one, moves limits in head-to-head. I'm a fan of five per week. I know most leagues go default to four. I think it's nice to have just a little bit more wiggle room. I think three is painfully low. You have to be so careful with all of your moves. At that point, you might as well just turn off waiver, right? Because everybody's going to be saving their moves anyway. I think four or five. Four is, I mean, that's a default for a reason. It's every other day, effectively. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. If you wanted to. Easy enough. That's probably the way you leave it. Uh, a full season moves limit. I don't know if I like that, and I don't think I don't like things that cap people for reasons that are not super clear. transaction days is what that pivots into, which is what kind of league are you in? I would say that from experience in head-to-head, it's good to have transactions that impact your team that day because you are dealing with move limits, possible streaming, and you want to know that the guy you're picking up is actually going to play in the game you're picking him up in. And also, this is a little thing, but to me it's significant. In head-to-head, especially come playoff time. If you have a weekly moves limit and your moves impact the following day, any moves that you save until the weekend, you have to use on Saturday. You can't make moves on Sunday because it impacts the next week, a week that hasn't begun yet. You might not even be alive in that week in the playoffs. Roto, I think it's better to go the next day, believe it or not, because it sort of doesn't matter. If you pick up a guy that doesn't play, if you got a games cap, yeah, you just make another move the following afternoon. Also, If you can eliminate the midnight deadline for teams in your league, that's a nice thing to do. And I think with Roto, because there isn't that time-sensitive part of it most of the time, you can get your moves for the next day. That way people can make moves at, you know, 4.30 when the games are going on. They don't have to stay up until midnight or 3 in the morning on the East Coast or whatever. Uh, But with head-to-head, you got to throw that same-day situation. You just can't have wasted moves with a weekly moves limit, especially come playoff time. If you want your guy, you stay up late or you wake up early. That's it. That's how the head-to-head stuff works. You want to win your week, you do something stupid. Roto's for the full year. You don't have to stay up late. can't if you want to, but to me, I think you can make it the next day. And finally, playoff format. There are a thousand answers to this question, and none of them is perfect. One of them that I can tell you definitively that's wrong is letting your, we, your league in head to head go to the end of the season. Definitively wrong. Because those last, really now it's like three weeks of things are crazy. But I also don't advocate wiping out the last three weeks of the season because then you're shortening the fun. I don't want to be done in mid March. I don't want to be done in mid-March. I don't want my regular season to be over at the end of February. There's more stuff to do. I'm in this for the enjoyment. Yes, perfectly fair is obviously the best. And if you wanted to do that, you could have your playoffs done on the All-Star break. You basically just play like a 60% season and you say, you know what? There's no roll of the dice here and you're just going to have to be okay with watching games without fantasy stuff going on for two months. Yeah, that's the most fair. But let's be honest. We all want the league to go on longer. We want to be able to enjoy ourselves. I would advocate just wiping out the last 10 days. It's not perfect. I know. I know it's not perfect. But it's workable. It takes out the intense craziness of the last week and a half. You're going to still have a decent number of shutdowns skipped games but at least in that stretch of march most of your guys are still playing even if it's intermittently and more than likely your opponent's dealing with the same stuff when you get into the last 10 days there's a possibility that one team just loses their superstar for the end doesn't play anymore and the other team doesn't and if that happens then that decides the week and that's not good. So I would say you got to wipe out the last 10 days. If you wanted to go one week earlier than that, you probably could. But I wouldn't go any earlier than that or you're wiping out too much of your league. You've taken out 18 days already. You want to take it down to 25? That's a month. If you have a buttload of money, that's a, that's a medical term. If you have like a $1,000 buy-in on your league and you guys have twelve grand on the line, yeah. I mean, you're going to want to make it as fair as possible because you don't want... Uh, a $7,000 pot or whatever first place is getting decided on. Oh, I don't know whether or not uh, Chris Paul plays the last three weeks of the year this season. You're not going to want that. That's too much on the line. But if everybody's, you know, if you're in a 50 or a hundred dollar buy-in league and you know, first place is getting 700, 800 and second place is getting 400 or whatever it is. I mean, yes, obviously you want to be the team that wins there. It's more fun. But to me, the enjoyment of a longer season is worth it if it flips you between a couple hundred bucks. You'll get lucky one time, you'll get unlucky another time. Medium, small to medium amounts of money to me, you're in there for the long haul. I also wanted to briefly touch on streaming, but I think that can actually be its own show. I had that on my list for today, and and I'm going to wipe it off because... I, to me, there's there's so much to talk about on that side. Uh, we could make that its own fantasy lesson. So we'll push that to tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk more season win totals with our good friend Neil Rochelani on tomorrow's episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, this was Fantasy School, Fantasy uh, 201, <laughs> Week 2, League Settings Day. And I'd love to get your thoughts on a lot of this stuff. Again, we talked about waiver periods, games caps, transaction days, move limits, positional eligibility, bench slots, IL slots, playoff formats, trade deadlines, vetoes, all on today's show. By the way, you know what I didn't talk about? 8-Cat versus 9-Cat? Because they're both fun. I like 9-Cat. If you like 8-Cat, cool, man. Don't get in my face on Twitter telling me one is necessarily right and the other is wrong. They're both fun. There's reasons for both. If you want 8CAT because you want your volume guys to get a little bit of a bump, cool. If you want 9CAT because you want your low volume, high efficiency guys to get a little bit of a bump, awesome. That's just the way I lean. There are arguments for both, and those arguments are all right. They're all right. You know, my low-volume guy, my Otto Porter in 9-cat, was really good because he was doing important stuff. Remember how important Shane Battier was to his team? He wasn't actually good in any fantasy format, but he was a top 100 guy in 9-cat for stretches, which makes sense. If a guy is useful to his team on the court, he should be useful to us in fantasy. That's my argument, and if someone's like, I want my high-volume guys to be uh overclocked the way that they are in real life that also makes sense so that's why we didn't talk about that today because they're all right the kids are all right this is fantasy nba today Hootball ball and hawaiian alice kona coffee presentation i am at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s on twitter uh as we start coming down the chute here we're right at the end of july which by the way uh we're on pace to have like an 80% year-over-year jump, July versus July, 18 versus 19. So you guys are amazing. And all I would ask of you is that, since there are clearly new listeners coming in, number one, hello. And number two, if you love what you're listening to, take a moment to rate and review it. Uh, Particularly iTunes, that's the one that carries the most weight. Um, And I haven't looked up how to do it. They always change where the rating and reviewing button is. Normally I'll go through the quick... Uh, rundown but if you know where it is if you can find it quickly throw us a five star review we'd really appreciate it we've been sitting I think at 199 for a while so we throw a little ticker tape parade for rating number 200 subscribe obviously to the podcast that's another way that these websites track uh, how shows are doing and can move us up the charts and obviously the farther up the charts it almost becomes kind of a positive feedback loop so we need your help with that always free fantasy NBA today with your help We don't ask for money. We ask for positive reviews. That's how we keep this bad boy uh, chugging along. Throw some coal in the engine. Have a lovely Monday, everyone. Again, rest of the week, I'll be with Neil tomorrow. We'll talk uh, season win totals and more Fantasy 201. Uh, Additional Fantasy 201 with Brandon Marcus. That's on Wednesday's show and uh, Thursday. Neil and I think it's Josh. We'll ask him on tomorrow's program. I like to torture him about that. And then Adrian Coach. Who finally finished up their Summer League mega breakdown last week. They had three straight Fridays where we went through every team at Summer League. You can check those out, go back into our archive if you like, and they'll start something new this coming Friday. Should be a fun week here on Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody.